Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 139 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have with me Bex. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm right, how are you? I'm good, very cold but good. Yes, you're not snowed in anywhere then. <laughs> no, but I might as well because I'm not going out. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it would take quite a lot of effort to clear off my driveway to get out, so, so I'm not going anywhere, I'm hoping it melts a bit tomorrow. Yeah, I'm just lazy, that's slightly different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, so yes, all good. Well, plenty of time to stay in and watch things on TV then. <laughs> yes, yes. Generally, winter, I think, is, is for watching TV or hibernating and being that I'm apparently not allowed to be a hibernating mammal, TV is. Oh, <laughs> so uh, what have you been watching? Uh, I finished Star Trek Discovery. Enjoyed that greatly. Yes. Uh, I finished, finally finished the second series of The Expanse and now I have to wait until there's more. Yes, she's so infuriating. That's not fair. Yeah, I completely and utterly want more Expanse immediately mm-hmm. and more Killjoys immediately, as you would imagine. I started watching Dirk Gently. Yes. Yeah, I'm having trouble with that one. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I've seen the first few episodes of it, but it's so utterly bonkers that I'm I kind of I've really got to go back and look at it again because I know a lot of people that love it, but. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm strug- I struggled a little bit with the first season of that. It's not really the the bonkers that's getting me. It's just that because it's obviously part American, part British made, and based on yeah. the British works. Obviously, it's you know Hitchhiker's Guide and so forth is its nearest relation. And um, it's one of those things where I watched it and I was like, right, I really don't want my criticism to be that it's American. <laughs> I really don't want that to be the criticism. I hate that kind of criticism. And then I watched it and went, it's 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 British jokes being delivered with an American sentimentality <laughs> and it doesn't quite work. Oh dear. That's exactly what I didn't want to say. And, and there's, there's been, yeah, there's just a feeling of something's been slightly lost in the translation, but then there's some such interesting things going on and there's some really good performances in it. Yeah. So, and I haven't even read the book, so this isn't even, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. it's not like the original, I've changed it kind of rant. Yeah. It just, I can't watch it without thinking that, um, it should have been put together by uh, the guy that did Hot Fuzz. Oh, yes. Uh, Edgar Wright. And um, the main guy that was in it. Oh, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. I just cannot help thinking that that is the team I would have put on that. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I could see that. Yes. If Simon Pegg had written it. Yeah. Uh, I, or even been in it, I could just see it as being incredible and whereas it is like I'm, I'm enjoying it but at the same time it doesn't feel quite right and then yeah Dirk gently himself's quite annoying in that way he's supposed to be annoying but 
isn't yeah. quite endearing enough. And <laughs> the intro music, the intro sequence is just basically across between the Hitchhiker's Guide graphics from the TV show and somebody wants to listen to the Doctor Who theme tune. <laughs> and that right. kind of sums up how it feels watching it as well. So, I, yeah, I'm trying to watch it. I desperately want to know what's going to happen because it's quite interesting. But at the same time, just... It's weird. And um, to counteract that, I've ended up rewatching Jonathan Creek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's they're quite opposite. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been w- watched a season and a half of Jonathan Creek somehow, because that's a worthy use of a, of a Netflix <laughs> account. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> something I could buy in a charity shop for 50p a DVD. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Creek is is got the all the irritatingness is very uh, personable. Yes, very likable. It's kind of it's it's got the thing Dirk Gently's missing, but Jonathan Creek is terrible plot wise. <laughs> Between the two shows, there's something good going on there. Um, right. <laughs> weird TV history last the last couple of weeks. Other than that, I've nearly finished my new studio for my filming, so that's quite exciting. Yes, yes, yes. Do you are you going to have that online and advertising it for people and stuff? Yes, hopefully people will come filming it, and I will film my own stuff in there, and I'll be able to do. Uh, much more, you know, um, professional looking stuff than I'm currently doing. I'm like, it looks all right at the moment because I just zoom in enough that you can't see all the rubbish that's in the room I'm filming in. But it'll be uh, an actual proper filming studio space. So that's been, yeah, that's been quite quite an exciting thing to be getting on with. Um, yeah. And then uh, tomorrow I'm off to play some virtual reality. Yes, yes, that should be fun. Yeah, so, with, um, yeah, they're called Break, Breaking the Fourth, aren't they? Breaking so, Fourth, that's breaking, the one. Yeah, something like that, yes. Yeah, yes, so, so that should that should be fun because they do interactive science fiction movies and things on, on in in three D. So yeah, that that's should be good. Be interesting to see what you come back with for that. We'll have a report up on the website when you're done. What have you been watching? Well, uh, so the Grand Tour came back. I've watched the first episode of that, um, and they they opened with the one with the crash that almost killed Richard Hammond again. Um, so, so that, and he's all fine and he's back and, uh, you know, they, they opened showing that. And I mean, it's, it's the same sort of silly stupidness that it was the first time round, although they are having guests on this time round, which was something they always said they weren't allowed to do because it's too much like Top Gear, but they're now doing a, a guests going around the track which is almost exactly like what exactly they do exactly like top gear <laughs> so, so yeah and the the tent isn't moving around the the world anymore they've planted it well jeremy clarkson said they've planted it where they planted it because it's exactly between hammond and may's house which just so happens to be about 100 feet away from his door so, so from his home so um it's basically in in uh clarkson's garden is is the tent now uh, as a permanent location and there is a track down the road that they're using so um slightly different and gone slightly more old school top geary for the uh, for the second season but um i mean it's fine if you liked old school top gear you're going to like this because it's exactly the same as it was <laughs> so you know that's fine uh and it's good fun and they're coming out weekly fridays or sundays i think they're coming out so there's that um i watched crown season two that's come back uh quite interesting where they seem to be going with this because there seems to be an implication that uh prince philip had an affair 
which is is quite an intriguing revelation. I'm not sure what the palace are going to think about that, whether it's true or not. I don't know. But yeah, so that's been quite good. And this is, of course, the last season with Claire Foy and uh, Matt Smith in the lead roles before they get swapped out for an older cast. So um, that's been quite good, been watching that. And the big thing last week, of course, was the uh, Crisis on Earth X crossover event on the DC shows have you caught up with any of these yet i haven't seen it yet uh, <laughs> i uh, haven't seen it yet don't spoil it <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I honestly think it's probably the best crossover event they've done so far the others were pretty good yeah i i actually think this is is stepped it up a gear because they they really did have everybody in this one it's legends as well isn't it yeah because they've got they had all the legends in this one and supergirl is in it they they're actually crossed over properly into supergirl that started in supergirl and then moved into flash then arrow then legends they're pretty much all of them are in well more of the legends get introduced towards the end and you know so it, it's it's mainly focusing around uh Cara barry and arrow which you'd sort of expect it's interesting they're doing that because that's such a comic book thing that you rarely see yeah. come to tv format yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal job they've done. It's a you know, really good sort of crossover thing. As as I think you would know by the posters, if you've seen the posters, it, it involves a bunch of evil versions of their character invading Earth. It's, Another I mean, staple comic book yeah, plotline, that one. <laughs> exactly. It's, I mean, it is like it's ripped straight out of the pages of one of the comic books. I don't think it is a direct copy of a story, but it does feel very much like it's taken straight out of the pages of a comic book. Includes everybody, some very high stake stuff. There's uh, you know, uh, new characters in it as well. You've got Russell Tovey in there as the Ray. Uh, it's the first time we see him as the Ray. And uh, he's, he's tied up on Quantico at the moment, so he's not coming back imminently. But he may come back on at some point. Interestingly, they have said that they're introducing an established character is going to be join- joining Legends next season. But they haven't said who. So there's a lot of speculation that we may be getting Constantine back. He's come into it a few times now. Yeah, well, he's coming to an episode of Arrow. He is on an episode of Legends as well this year. Yeah, because they've been teasing that online already, shots of him on the on the set for Legends and stuff. Um, yeah. I've seen that popping up quite a lot on Instagram, people sharing pictures of candids from behind the scenes and things. And he's a very popular character. The, yeah. the TV show Constantine didn't just quite find its feet quick enough to to sort of you know get renewed and things but most people did really really love his character so yeah it would make sense and he's voicing at the cartoon version of yeah there is a cartoon version well, coming so. as well the problem always has been the fact that he's tied up another he's been tied up another jobs but next season you would be far enough away that he could probably have cleared the schedule, you know, if they talked to him about him early enough, you know, if he was going to get a regular gig on Legends. And this is speculation at the moment. We don't know it is going to be him. All they've said is an established character. So it could be that, say, Kid Flash or Speedy from Arrow gets moved over, possibly. It sounds like they may be adding a couple of new people, but that's sort of what Legends does. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting next season, see who they bring across. Because, like, Thea hasn't been used very much on Arrow this season. Kid Flash hasn't been used quite as much on Flash this season. You could even have Roy coming back as Arsenal 
would be another option as well from Arrow. Mm, or Roy and Thea. Or Roy and Thea. Kind of coming back together and then going off together. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe that would be kind of interesting. So uh, so we don't know, though, but there will be some new characters coming to Legends next season. But um, yeah, the, the Crisis on Earth X, I thought they did a fabulous job with it. It was really fun and uh, quite sad in places. And uh, yeah, well worth going to watch. You've got a good thing to look forward to when you get to that. Movie-wise, I watched Baby Driver, which is the Edgar Wright film, who we just mentioned earlier. Uh, so uh, have you seen this film? Because it's, it's quite interesting. I've not seen it. It's I saw the trailers for it and I thought, this somehow is intriguing, but it's really not my thing. Mm. And it was one of those ones where I was like, probably when it comes to DVD, I'll give it a look. Yeah, that was that was sort of my feeling on it. And uh, it's about a group of bank robbers. And uh, the uh, the team the team is led by Kevin Spacey, which I didn't realise at the time. But uh, when I go, and I was like, oh, it's Kevin Spacey. This is interesting. Uh, so, so yes, it's it's him bringing a group of people together to do various either bank jobs or knock over post offices or you know various sort of of those sort of things. But the consistent person throughout all the team changes is the getaway driver, which is this character who's called Baby. And the main thing is with the movie, the sort of USP of it is the fact that it uses quite a lot of music in there because the character of Baby has uh, tinnitus or tinnitus, however you pronounce it, uh, which is the ringing in the ears. So to drown that out, he wears headphones all the time. And what they've done is when there are action sequences and stuff, they time a lot of the action sequences to the track that's playing. So you'll have gunshots that go off and sync up with with beats of the music or you'll have the the car door slam and you know and it will sync up with particular points of the of the music track so it, it, it's kind of weird but it really works it works extremely well so it's got- yeah like somebody watched blade 3 and then thought they could do that bit a lot better <laughs> yeah yeah, so it's it's that. Um, I, I really enjoyed the performances throughout. I think the uh, the kid that plays the lead, I I think he's been in the Divergence movies, but I mean I've never seen them because I'm 42. So uh, <laughs> they're also not very good. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, afraid um, to say I've not read the books, but I have seen the first two films, right. and they just yeah, a lot of interesting ideas. Because you sort of have the, the first Hunger Games, because that's based off another young adult book. The first Hunger Games is uh, amazing. And the Maze Runner, the first one, not the second one, the first one, that's really, really phenomenal. Right. And then I, you know, you think this is going to be another one like that. But all of the scenes that are in the trailer that looked really interesting, setting up this dystopian world and mind control and acrobatic action shots make up about a 10 minute section of the film. Oh, dear. That's um, a shame. Yeah, which was, which was a bit of a shame. Yeah. Mm. So, um, but yeah, Baby Driver, really, really good action, solid film, really interesting premise to it in terms of the way it's it's shot. I mean, the the plot line itself is relatively pedestrian, but it's done with a really interesting style to it. So for that, I think it's worth going to see and uh, and watch. So yeah, that's pretty much been my stuff for this week. Unless you've got anything else you want to put in, we'll move on to some TV and film news. No, I think I'll just stick Baby Driver back on my to-watch list and uh, we'll keep going. <laughs> All right. So we kick off the TV and film news this week with the air date updates as usual. couple of uh, pickups. 
Big Little Lies has been renewed for a second season, which is kind of interesting because it's been nominated in it was nominated in the limited series category in some awards recently and they ended up having to shift it into one of the other categories because it's no longer a limited series. So <laughs> so uh, that's been picked up for a second season. And uh, ITV2 apparently have picked up Superstore, which is, uh, as far as I can tell, it's kind of like an American version of Trolled, the Sky series. Uh, it stars American Ferreira, that though, and it's set in a Superstore. It's a comedy. So they've picked that up for next year as well. In terms of air dates, we've got uh, Black Mirror having teased us repeatedly and uh, having not put it on the official Netflix list that we get off Netflix every month. Uh, season four of Black Mirror, they've now announced, is coming on the 29th of December, which I'm very much looking forward to. There's, yep, uh, that's basically my... Between Star Wars and Black Mirror, that, that's my Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty and much. And the Doctor Who special. That's, yes. that's me sorted, really. One just before, <laughs> one on Christmas, one just after. Yes, so, uh, so that I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, 29th of December, that's coming. The, there's various trailers for pretty much every episode i think all but one i think have had trailers so far so uh, there's there's one that seems to be a a takeoff of star trek which looks quite intriguing so um i'm, I'm sure to see how they twist that one because yes. i'm assuming that they're showing us that bit in order to to kind of do do a kind of like a, a bluff and then pull yeah. it out and it'll turn out that'll be a computer game or something like that yeah or it's it's going to go somewhere very dark i'm fairly sure because they one always do they always do so um <laughs> So that's back on the 29th. Then you've got the Blacklist, which is coming to Sky One finally on the 2nd of January. They delayed that because it used to come back in sort of October and they, they delayed it because it had like about three or four breaks in it last year and it got fairly ridiculous. So I think they decided to to move it to January so they could take all the breaks out of it. Uh, Will and Grace, which we mentioned, Channel 5 have picked up. We mentioned that last week, but they've now given an air date, which is the 5th of January. So uh, that's turning up for after 10 years or whatever it is that that's been offered. 10 years, really? Something like that, yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't we, tell me these things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got uh, MacGyver, Hawaii Five-O and NCIS are all coming back on the 7th of January at 8, 9 and 10pm, which is nice they've actually stuck those all together because they sometimes do crossovers with those three shows. So uh, so it's quite good they're kind of running them as a little cluster. So uh, yeah, 8th, 9th and 10pm they're coming back on Sky One uh, on uh, January 7th. Altered Carbon, I think we mentioned this last week, but I, I know how much you're going to be looking forward to this. So uh, Altered Carbon on the 2nd of February, which uh, might might fill your uh, your gap from um, missing um, the... Expanse. Expanse, yes. <laughs> and Star Trek. <laughs> yes, yeah, and Star Trek. So that's, that's coming on the 2nd of February, which I'm very, very much looking forward to. And there's yeah, I've got high hopes for that one. Netflix was the right place to put that. It's quite niche. Yes, yeah. But um, it, it looks really good. As I think they're shooting in Canada next door to the DC shows. Because when we had the guy from Legends on, the production designer from Legends, pick that as the show he'd like to go and work on because he said I've just seen the production stills of it because I, I have a friend that works on it and it looks phenomenal so yes I think that's going to be a very good show also on Netflix Jessica Jones weirdly they've announced this way way out but Jessica Jones season 2 is coming on the 8th of March which I'm very happy about because season 1 of Jessica Jones I think was probably my favourite out of that initial run of shows certainly i thought david tennant was brilliant in that he can't help but be brilliant yeah he may or may not be back in the next series so uh, we'll see 
and uh, that, but that's on the 8th of March and uh, for the Christmas shows we're not going to go through all the Christmas shows but just wanted to mention if you are looking for to see what Christmas specials are on and when they're on if you go to geektown.co.uk slash Christmas it'll give you a big list of all the one-off Christmas specials and individual like special things that are coming like Rat Burger and that sort of stuff that are, are coming on to UK TV over the festive period we've got a huge list which is separate from the main list but that's geektown.co.uk slash Christmas you can go on and see that one other thing I wanted to mention is the DC superhero shows obviously they're about out to go off air over here for their mid-season break they come back in january in the u.s but they've done something weird and we don't know how sky are going to handle this yet so it may affect when they come back over here because they're apparently running supergirl four episodes then legend is going to replace supergirl in february to april and that finishes its run then they're going back to supergirl to finish hers from april to june <laughs> yeah i wonder if that's because something's happening that they don't want to reveal in i i don't know supergirl before they do legends i don't know whether it's that it's it's odd because you'd think they'd either do all of one and then all of the other or maybe there were production issues on supergirl and they need time to catch up could be that i mean the the scheduling reason for moving it is because they're starting black lightning on the cw and they could run superhero shows five days a week but they've obviously decided they don't want to do that so they're going to run it for they're going to run superhero shows four days a week and black lightning is taking legend slot on the thursday or whenever it is that they run it over there. So that's that's why they've sort of sh- shifted everything around. But it's just this odd split of four episodes of Supergirl, then Legends, then Supergirl again. Seems mm. a bit weird. I don't know Hopefully why they've done it's a like four-part arc that they do for Supergirl before they take it off air for a few months. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing there's a plot reason for doing it that particular way. But yeah, it's a bit weird. So uh, I have reached out to Sky. They haven't come back to me yet. They don't usually release scheduling quite this early. So they haven't quite come back and said, because I didn't ask them when it was coming back. I just said, how are you going to handle this? Do you know? Because my guess is they may decide to keep Supergirl off and then ram it all together in one go rather than do what the US does. If there's no need to have any crossover, yeah, if there's no because Supergirl is in a separate universe, so there might not be any crossover reason for it. I, we'll we'll see. I, I don't know how they're going to handle that over here yet, but we'll let you know. We'll see if we find out. Moving on to bigger news. <laughs> I, I take it you've seen this story. I think it's quite fab. <laughs> <laughs> Quentin Tarantino could be directing a Star Trek movie, apparently. Quentin Tarantino went to the producers of Star Trek and uh, Paramount and J.J. Abrams and pitched them an idea for a Star Trek movie. Unlike when had this idea with uh, to do a James Bond movie with Pierce Brosnan sort of before Daniel Craig got involved and the Broccoli producers basically said, no, absolutely not, which is a shame because I think that Bond movie would have been a fantastic idea. They seem to be very much behind it on Star Trek with this and uh, so much so that they've actually got together a writer's room to potentially write script for it so it is actually moving forward as far as we can tell so they've they've put together a eclectic bunch of writers it's mark l smith who wrote the revenant Lindsay beer who uh, is relatively new written the there's a new dungeons and dragons movie and movie called chaos walking 
Uh, Drew Pierce, who wrote Iron Man 3 and Sherlock Holmes 3. Megan Amram, who, who's a writer from The Good Place and Parks and Rec. Only one of them will land the gig of writing the script. Uh, Smith, who wrote The Revenant, is believed to be the frontrunner at the moment. The interesting thing is, if they do it, it will be an R-rated Star Trek movie, which is an intriguing premise. because that It'll be his... ninjas in space, and it will either be have the tone of The Revenant or the tone of Parks and Recreation, which are two... Like, it's quite yeah. hard. Well it, well, it could be a bit like The Revenant, or it could be a bit like Iron Man 3, or it could mm. be like Parks and Rec. That's a very broad kind of thing. It's like they want to keep us guessing at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very eclectic mix of writers that they've they've brought together. And I mean, one of the, the, the basic stipulation was if he's going to direct it, he wants an R rating for it. They seem okay with that. They've agreed that if if it goes forward, they'll do it. Uh, I mean, this is sort of the Deadpool effect of it because, you know, ever since Deadpool, they've been quite interested in taking properties that you possibly don't think should have an R rating and giving them an R rating. So, yeah, I I don't know. R-rated Star Trek movie? I See, Tarantino is one of those directors that I've always had this weird mixed opinion of. He's made some works which are absolutely stunning, but he's also exceedingly self-indulgent yes to the point of just i mean things like kill bill kill bill part two were preposterously self-indulgent although i very much enjoyed the first one i don't like western so i didn't like the second one because i didn't like any of the the influences that were behind it but it's just so ridiculously self-indulgent but if you like the genre that he's utilizing They're Mm. very, very good. So assuming he is a fan of Star Trek, and one would assume that since he's the one approaching them and and has put together, you know, this kind of team of remarkably, as you said, eclectic writers in order to be the the potential sources for it, it could be made with so much love and with so much of an interesting sort of off-kilter angle Mm. that it could be brilliant. Or alternatively, it could be because people are already saying about Star Trek Discovery that it's, you know, people use the F word in it and it's very not Star Trek. It's too dark. It's too this, it's too that. Those people aren't going to like it. So it's going to be quite divisive if this does go ahead and it's going to have people that absolutely love it, possibly that aren't even Star Trek fans, um, since we're getting more and more genre films appealing to wider mainstream audiences nowadays. But yeah, it's I think with the the core of the Star Trek fandom, it's going to be a difficult one. And mm. I do like the idea it's going to have ninjas in space. <laughs> because. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean, the the other thing is which cast do you go for as well? Because are you, are you going to use the new J.J. Abrams cast or do you go back and coax Patrick Stewart back or maybe you know because i mean you could potentially make it a next generation film with them all a little bit older that might be an interesting universe to put it in uh maybe you could coax back some of the original cast or i mean i don't know that would imply it's going to be canon though i was assuming this wasn't going to be canon well i mean i don't know but you see you could make it i i think they might be a bit wary about using the new cast for it because that would imply it's canon whereas if you took some of the people from the next generation universe and did that you could potentially I think you'd have the fans up in uproar if you had you know Picard slashing people with big massive blades I, I and, think you know, Patrick standing Stewart... coolly in a silhouette over like a, a room full of aghast people, I, people or something yeah I mean I think I, I don't know I think Patrick Stewart has come out and said he's up for it so you know um, 
Yeah, he would. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's Patrick Stewart. But I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think as an interesting final movie of that sort of, oh, it's set in that timeline because both timelines do exist now in canon. That could be kind of interesting to do something that's messing around in the original timeline as opposed to in, in the new Trek movie timeline. So, Maybe if they made it something that Q started, partly because yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see Q back again. I don't like the fact the only place I can see him is if I watch the new My Little Pony where he's Discord. <laughs> um, really? Oh, uh, yeah, wow. he plays Q in My Little Pony. Somebody sent me <laughs> a couple of the episodes to watch because I refused to watch it. And um, then they went, oh, but Q's in it. And I was like, well, now we should have led with that. Now I'll watch it. Um, and he plays a character called Discord who basically is Q. So he obviously still likes that role. Yeah. I, if they could bring Q back and then they could have it as a very off kilter, it didn't really even happen, some kind of really out there thing. Mm. Yeah. They might never get greenlit, but it could be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that that would be very interesting as well is the villains in the new Trek have been okay, but they haven't been like quite as menacing as you want them to be. Whereas this, you could make the antagonist like really quite R-rated and violent and vicious. And they, that could be quite interesting. Plus, you know, Christoph Waltz. Because <laughs> you just know that it's going to end up with Samuel L. Jackson and Christoph Waltz in it. <laughs> so, you know. Uma Thurman. And Uma as a Thurman. Vulcan. Yeah. murdering people. <laughs> yes, quite possibly. Maybe as a Romulan. You could have her as a Romulan murdering people. That, that would make more sense but i'm not assuming it's going to make that much sense <laughs> so i don't know it's it's an interesting uh it's an interesting premise we'll see i mean it's not a done deal yet but it as i say they seem to be writing a script for it but as we all know uh having scripts written doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get filmed but uh they but yeah. need to at least release the script if they write the script they need to at least release i'm sure the that will happen i'm sure that will happen but uh but yes, interesting. Very interesting premise, that. Moving on to the next one, we've got uh, Dexter Fletcher, who um, people will probably know more as an actor, although he's, in a, he's a director as well, uh, has rejoined the Queen biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody, is replacing Brian Singer as the director of the film after Brian Singer vanished post-Thanksgiving, because they all went on break for, for Thanksgiving and Brian Singer didn't come back, apparently. This at the time was, according to Brian Singer, to do with a family issue, something to do with his mother being ill. According to the studio, they basically said that this is sort of the last straw in a series of very bizarre incidents on set. And then, of course, a couple of days after this, he then gets accused of sexual assault by somebody, which I think is possibly the real reason why it ended up happening in the first place. But uh, what's quite interesting with this is um, Dexter Fletcher was the original director of the film but left after four months after having a disagreement with one of the producers and uh, they've now had to rehire him because he's they've only got a few months left of shooting or a few it might even be only be a few weeks left of shooting so you kind of want somebody that knows something about the film in the first place uh so they've rehired the original director to finish it which it's is gonna be quite difficult though because he's gonna everything's the direction he wanted to take it in everything's gonna be off the rails from that so presumably he's gonna be trying to pull it back to where he originally wanted it to be oh uh, yeah that seems like a a really risky thing to do because it it sort of runs the, the the risk of no nobody being happy with the outcome. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's the if you followed the history of this film, it's had 
a, a really, really tortured trip onto the screen because uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was originally cast as Freddy in it, uh, leftover creative differences with the remainder of members of Queen. Ben Wishaw was then cast, which was at the same time that Dexter Fletcher was involved with the film. Uh, he was cast as Freddy. Then when Dexter left, the project stalled, so Ben Wishaw didn't know when it was going to shoot, so he ended up having to leave him to go and work on other stuff. They then announced Rami Malek was taking over, which I think is a brilliant choice for the role, actually. I mean, having seen, I've not seen moving images, but certainly seeing the stills, he really seems to have got it. They've got him now as the lead. They've shot a large portion of it already. They've now had to bring Dexter back in to uh, to take over if i mean dexter fletcher if you're not sure who that guy is uh he was the director on sunshine on leith he directed the eddie the eagle movie as well which was quite popular uh, as an actor he was on hotel babylon he was in band of brothers uh, lockstock is probably what he's best known for unless you're our sort of age in which case you'll probably remember him as spike in press gang which was uh, <laughs> the itv tv show which was superb if you've never seen it so yeah probably not how he wants us to remember him though if he's also <laughs> <laughs> probably not he has to got a lot of other stuff uh, things said, yeah. Said, said, but, uh, yeah exactly. but Lockstock is probably where quite a lot of people will know him from and uh and Hotel Babylon but uh but yeah I mean he's he's made a reasonable name for himself as a director you know he's had quite a lot of critical acclaim with the film City Stand. so I think he's a really good choice for it and it's due to be released at the end of next year it's December next year apparently Bohemian Rhapsody is due to come out it's going to be an interesting mishmash when we get to it I think of uh, bits of Brian Singer, bits of Dexter Fletcher stuff. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. And um, some interfering from the uh, guys behind Queen, because, you know, obviously they're, they're going to want to make sure that it's a vision of Freddy that doesn't disrespect him too much. So, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting mix, I think. We get I to think it. that's a, a polite way of saying we've got no idea if it's going to be watchable yet. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but we'll see, we'll see. I mean, they do say films are made in the edit, so... <laughs> well, they've got a year to do whatever it is they need to do. Um, yeah. So hopefully they can they can work through it and stuff, because it would be lovely to see something that did did chronicle Freddie's life, because he had a, a, such a complicated yeah. life and he brought so much to... To music that it would be nice to see something do him justice so i wish them luck with that one yes yes totally and the last story we've got this week is netflix's umbrella academy has uh, announced its casting they've actually cast all the characters but uh, there's some familiar names in there for you so i thought this might be interesting and uh, i put this story in it actually they announced this a, a week over a week ago i think but uh, i thought seeing as you were the one that i think brought this story in the first place so uh, i thought i'd put it in here because i thought you might have some opinion on some of the casting they've announced ellen page was joining the show. Uh, for those of you who don't know the series, it's a uh, it's set in a world at the instance of the final blows of a cosmic battle where forty three superhuman infants are simultaneously born to unconnected women who show no previous signs of pregnancy. Seven of the superpowered infants survive, and an alien disguised as a human called Reginald Hargreaves, aka the Monocle, adopts and raises them as the superhero team, the Umbrella Academy. Hargreaves set out to repair Luther Diego 
Alison, Vanya, Klaus, Ben, and number five for an unnamed future world-ending event. So uh, it's Vanya that I think Ellen is playing, who is a fairly important character to the story, as far as I, I can tell. Um, I'm trying not to give away any spoilers about that. Tom Hopper is set to play Luther, who's kind of the leader of the Academy. You'll know him from... Uh, he played Dick on Tarly in Game of Thrones and uh, was uh, Billy Bones in Black Sails and Sir Percival in Merlin. So, um, I mean, it's difficult because the art style is so quite specific for the Umbrella Academy. I'm not sure what this is going to look like when they bring it to screen. Yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful and interesting comic book that's quite subversive and an interesting take on the genre. It's quite critically acclaimed. It was created by Gerard Wayne. It's illustrated by uh, Gabrielle Barr and... Um, it's just, I mean, you just have to look at the covers for the for the comic, which when it first came out, I just saw saw the first cover, which has a very abstract lady as a violin, all in white. It's um, yeah, it's a really beautiful, slightly surreal, but also quite gritty piece. Um, and I was quite surprised to hear it was getting an adaptation. Mm. Um, I'm quite happy to hear that as well. I also, I think some of the casting looks quite good because they've got uh, Robert Sheehan's going to be in it. Yeah from Misfits and I adored Misfits and I also liked him in uh there's an independent movie called Jet Trash oh okay that he's in um which is really like super loosely based on the novel Go I believe he's just he's such a a character is the only thing I think I'm saying he's such yeah. a force and uh, I think he's one of those actors that's got a lot of potential so I'm interested to see an actor that I really like as an up-and-coming thing paired with a series that's a, an up and coming, you know, comic book writers, you know, um, first kind of seminal work that they've created and yeah. see where that's going to go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's playing uh, Klaus, uh, AKA the seance who is, he's described as a drug addict, lovable mess of a human being. Yet, if you're asking any day now, his life is going to turn around his classic middle child, a disarming pleaser who seems, who's seemingly everybody's friends, but will rob you blind without thinking twice, which I mean, if you've seen yeah, Robert Sheen, Rob Sheen's it, it, typecast now, yeah, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, absolutely typecast in that. I mean, having said that, he, I mean, he has been in other things, but it sounds very much like the, Nathan Young character in some respects yeah. that he played and also in similar to the character he played in Jet Trash oh, right okay <laughs> so uh, I mean he also played Vla- uh, Vladik in uh, Fortitude as well quite recently and uh, Darren in Love Hate but uh, Vladik in Fortitude some people may have seen him in uh, and that was a very different ty- type of character so uh, but yes it sounds very much a role kind of built for him almost that so that sounds quite good some of the other people you may not know as well uh, Emily Raven Lampman she is playing Alison the Rumour, who is uh, formerly the world, a world-famous movie star who possesses the power of suggestion. She's actually been a stage actress pretty much up until now. There's not very much on her IMDb. Uh, she was in uh, Broadway productions of Hamilton Hare and Jekyll and Hyde, the Chicago production of Hamilton, where she played Angelica Schleiber, uh, and she was in the SpongeBob musical, apparently, as well. So uh, <laughs> Why not? Yeah, why not? Rather, Hamilton, SpongeBob. So, yeah. Yes, there's her, there's David Castadella, who is playing Diego, aka the Kraken, an intense vigilante who has a real problem with authority, not naturally as smart as his siblings, which has to work three times harder for everything. Uh, he's been in things like Switched at Birth, Jamie the Virgin. Uh, they've been mainly kind of small, odd episodes and things in other stuff like Blind Spot, Light to Me, the player he popped up in. And then uh, Aidan Gallagher, who is playing number five, aka the boy, who's a third 
13-year-old boy, but actually a 58-year-old man trapped inside the body of a child. He, this is kind of a really interesting role because uh, Gallagher is actually 14. He's obviously not got that many credits, but he will be quite well known as Nicky from Nickelodeon's Nicky, Ricky, Dicky and Dawn for younger people, I would imagine. Uh, I think I've actually weirdly been on the set of Nickelodeon's, that Nickelodeon show, because it's shot at Paramount and it was one of the sets that they took us around when I was on a studio tour. So yes, but uh, that's an interesting role for, for a 14-year-old actor to get playing a 58-year-old man. <laughs> so, yeah, quite a change from working on a Nickelodeon, yeah. what I'm assuming is a multicoloured children's show as well. Yes, so that's yeah. quite a challenge. Could uh, could make his name, that one. Yes, so uh, that's that's quite interesting. As you may have spotted, that's only six characters. There are seven children, uh, or that's only five characters, actually. There are seven children. There's Ellen Page, who plays Vanya. And uh, there is another character called Ben, the horror. There is a plot reason I think he's probably not in there. There may also, it's possibly he's also a CGI character, I would guess, having seen photos. But uh, there is possibly a plot reason as well why he's not in there. So, uh, uh, but I won't go any further into that. So, um, yeah, that's, but that's the Umbrella Academy. It's due to go on Netflix in 2018. Kind of interesting looking, that show. <laughs> Netflix have got some very intriguing stuff coming next year, I think. Yeah, they're willing to take on things which, uh, I mean, like I said before, quite quite unexpected to get the licenses for. And I think that's a an awesome sign that we're going to get some even more interesting TV. I think things like Legion doing well yeah. is kind of showing that things can be a bit more out there and can be a bit more intellectual is the wrong word, but can be sort of a, a mix of this genre stuff, but with real life um, sentimentalities and kind of issues and things built in and can be quite dark and uh, are still going to pull in the ratings. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there, there is some really interesting, not just drama coming out now. It is really interesting sci-fi and other shows you know they're starting to push the boundaries quite a lot which is nice i'm very much looking forward to tv next year it's going to be cool so that's all the news that we have for this week next up we have the interview it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com the interview this week is with the goldbergs composer michael wanmacher um michael is american composer of music for film television and video games his work is a really interesting eclectic mix of genres because he's done films such as drive angry piranha 3d punisher Warzone, then things like ben 10 alien swarm uh, the tv show imaginary mary night stalker and then games like bloodborne and twisted metal so he sort of seems to jump around genres quite a lot Early in his career, he also had the chance to work with two legendary composers, Alan Silvestri, who might not be a name you necessarily know if you don't know composers, but he's the guy that writes the music for a lot of the Marvel movies. He's doing Ready Player One, which is a new Steven Spielberg film, which looks amazing. He did Forrest Gump as well. And Danny Elfman, which I think a lot of people know from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and various other things. His latest two projects that Michael has been working on are equal polar opposites. His main day job on TV 
show is for the 80s period sitcom The Goldbergs. His latest movie project, though, is Underworld Blood Wars. So, again, very, very much two different ends of a spectrum. If that all wasn't enough, working in TV, film and gaming, he also he works as a remixer under the pseudonym of Cursor. That's K-H-U-R-S-O-R. And he's done remixes for various different artists, including one for Sting's Every Breath You Take, which is a fantastic version of it if you've not heard it. Uh, it was featured on a trailer for the third season of The Americans, apparently. But uh, it's it's available online. If you look up the Cursor remix of Every Breath You Take, you can find it online. It's really good. So um, here's the interview with Michael. It's about 25 minutes long. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and, and uh, spending a bit of time to chat through your, your work and stuff. I, I know we've rearranged it like three times this interview, but yeah. I, they're working you hard at the Goldbergs. Uh, yeah, I, I apologize. Uh, no. schedule, TV no schedules are, are tough to manage. Yeah. It, it changes day to day. I mean, it happens on a lot of shows where sometimes the episode order gets moved and you're flipping shows back and forth where you, you may have been working on a show for that week and suddenly the show for the next week gets moved to the, the week that yeah. you're working on and, and it just creates this uh, little fold of chaos for a little <laughs> while. But I mean, it's pretty normal, but it's hard that you, you can't see it coming. So the interesting thing about working on television is you don't really know what's going to happen from day to day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I... I can imagine i know the tv schedules are insane i i've spoken to some guys um phil eisler is the one that always gets me because he's doing these like full orchestra shows uh-huh. and he's like yep. doing two at once and the turnaround on then is insane so yeah it's 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 a discipline it's a grind you get used to it though um <laughs> so when you you get on a project finally where you actually have some time to do something it's the weirdest feeling in the world because you're trained to do it now you know i need yeah. it by five o'clock i need it by tomorrow morning um the whole thing and you get used to that sort of thinking and suddenly you have a week to do something and you're running around in circles trying to spread out the time yeah yeah Yeah, i mean because you jump across various genres anyway because i mean you're on tv and films and video games so you know i mean for for you a movie must turn into a bit of a luxury (laughs) sometimes it depends you know on how much kind of going around in in creative circles there is in terms of experimentation or developing themes or sometimes the picture might go through a significant amount of editing where i'm going down one particular road and suddenly the the entire structure of the film changes or right, an entire right. real an entire reel gets jumbled around and and it forces me to go back and readdress everything that was in there that <laughs> that happens a fair amount so it it's nice to have the extra time to d- you know deal with a lot of details and little things um the the, ex- the explorative part of it you definitely it's a, it's definitely an enjoyable thing whereas tv you just have to pretty much take the first idea and run with it well yes so at least you get time to kind of work on things a bit more you know hopefully yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely let's go back to the start a little bit how did you get into music and composing in the first place that's a kind of a windy road i <laughs> i started out when i was younger i, I was playing in a lot of bands. I mean, I started out, I was definitely a hundred percent a musician first and composing came to me later on, but 
I, I didn't go to music school. I actually have a journalism degree. Right. And yeah. I, once I got out of college, I was, um, I was working for a series of marketing and ad agencies during the day and started moonlighting, writing music for news programs and, and infomercials. And <laughs> it, was, it was a cool job because I started working in electronic music using computers and sequencers, things like that Yeah, really early on. And that helped me be able to break into that at that point, because there weren't a lot of people who had rigs like that early yeah. on. And eventually those moonlighting gigs became a full-time job when the guy I was working for expanded his business and ended up actually taking a pretty significant pay cut. So I'd be able to go and, and make music full-time and, and it, it snowballed from there and, and working on the, the sort of industrial type TV music going into bigger commercials, jingles, things like that, and then moving to short films and independent features. And at the time I was in Minnesota, so I was just slowly moving up the ladder in terms of what the scope and scale and and the type of project it was. And eventually when I wanted to break into uh, like bigger feature scoring where studios were involved, things like that, um, the people that I had managed to form relationships with out here in LA, they all told me resoundingly, you have to move if you want to do this for a living. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out so that because of some projects I've been working on in or from Minnesota that were based in LA, I was able to work it out so that when I went to LA, I had a place to live and a job waiting for me. <laughs> and that's a really tough combination to make happen. So I figured <laughs> it was, if I'm going to do it, it's now or never. Yeah. And I just I packed everything in the back of a U-Haul and started driving. And <laughs> next year it'll be that 20 years since then. Wow. So that's crazy. I mean, you, yeah. you, you talk about some of the contacts you made. I mean, some of the people you've, you've actually worked with, uh, Alan Silvestri, you did some work with early on, I think. He was sort of a, he's, he's, he's the coolest guy. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to meet him, but he's no. just, he's a really, really kind, cool, smart, dynamic guy and he really loves what he does and I met him through his wife who I met in a news group a film music news group on the internet <laughs> and it's it's a it's a bizarre story but it worked out where I helped her find some documentation on the web that she was looking for and in return she had Alan call me on the phone and I was I was freaking out because he has always been a huge inspiration I've been a fan you know, going way back to when he was working on chips. Wow. And yeah. So I was pretty freaked out about that, but it turned out to be a, a great relationship. He, he ended up inviting me to, to Los Angeles to see some scoring sessions for various films. And it was those trips that solidified the, the idea that I wanted to do this for a living, that when walking into those room, walking into the room at Sony or Tadeo and seeing all those musicians sitting there and playing that music, I mean, I was blown away and just couldn't think of doing anything else at that point. It's what I wanted to do. Um, he introduced me to a bunch of people. And those connections, they were all different kinds of people, music editors, uh, music supervisors, different executives, just people who were all involved in film music on some level. Yeah. Being able to pass around music, things like that, it allowed me to form some relationships with people who got me some uh, work that was based out of L.A. and and 
it was on direct to video and some smaller feature films and and it helped create that lifeline between the two between where I was in Minneapolis and, and Los Angeles and so that I, I felt good and, and relatively secure about moving like I thought okay I can do this I can make this work <laughs> it's kind of how it went down yeah I what one of those uh early director video uh films that you worked on was with Danny Elfman as well yeah I mean, that I, yeah, that's that's two pretty impressive fellow composers to, to to come across fairly early on yeah it was uh that was another situation where I I was saying to myself I can't believe this is happening because <laughs> I had met music supervisor out here who's now my brother-in-law actually <laughs> uh, we were working together uh, um he helped um, bring me in on this job on modern vampires and Danny could not do the film because he was working on Men in Black at the time. Right. And the schedules directly conflicted. So Richard Elfman, his brother, had to find a composer and I was able to submit music to to him in addition to a bunch of other composers who were here in L.A. And and he sat down uh, with Danny and they picked me out of the pile to do the film and <laughs> I was pretty much completely floored I couldn't believe it yeah but it was one more thing that was saying if you're gonna do this you'd you'd better move <laughs> and it's been a it was a great experience I mean being yeah. able to have that sort of that contact with with Danny and and work with Richard and just be able to you know get into the process on something like that with people who are working at that level it was a, a huge learning experience and, and sort of a trial by fire too yeah um, right away which yeah. is great yeah yeah it's crazy how you get into it um the the show that you're working on at the moment is the goldbergs that's that's yeah. your your big show right now so how yeah. did that show come to you the creators of the show producers and the creators i had worked with them previously on a show called breaking in right and when they uh started developing the goldbergs they asked me to try to come up with a sound for the show and i worked for a, a couple well a couple three weeks just trying to find a unique vibe for the show. And um, when I finally landed on it, that's when they hired me for good. Uh, <laughs> the person who's most responsible is uh, Seth Gordon, who's now a major feature director. Yeah. And also has his, his name on a lot of great television as an executive producer and also a, a pilot director. He was instrumental in getting me in front of Adam Goldberg and, and Doug Robinson and, and some of the other people who were directly involved in, in making the show happen. And we've been working together now for, wow, um, probably eight years, eight or nine years since since the first time I did anything for them. Wow. It's been a great relationship. Yeah. How did you land on the sound for the Goldbergs? Uh, boy, I, I don't really remember. It was sort <laughs> of, I remember the task was really hard because they wanted something that was really energetic and upbeat and fresh and tipped a hat to the 80s but they didn't want it to sound too 80s right it had to so it was a matter of trying to find a way to combine instruments and maybe a few production techniques to give it sort of an 80s sheen without you know yeah. using like drum machines and the synths of the time and all that i do that for the show sometimes um, for specific moments where there's maybe a an homage scene or some kind of throwback or something like that, but it wasn't the fundamental sound, and it was just experimenting with a kind of a rock combo sound that was produced in an '80s sort of way. Hmm. It was real, real glossy and and kind of hyper hyper produced. 
Well, yeah. you, you know, it, it's hard to try to find the right descriptor uh, words for it, <laughs> but it has just sort of a sheen to it. And it's, it's very, it's just really positive and energetic and upbeat. And, and then finding the, the one key sound uh, that's particular to the Goldberg's music, there's a lead sound. I'm, I'm not going to divulge exactly what it is because it's sort of a secret recipe, but <laughs> it's a melodic sound that I use in a lot of the cues in the show. And that was specifically created for the Goldberg's. It it was a, a demo process. I went through probably, I don't know, I don't have it on the computer anymore, so I can't look for sure, but maybe 15, between 15 and 18 different demos, just trying different styles of music and seeing what would stick. Right. Wow. Yeah. And that cue, the one that everybody sort of turned and looked at each other and went, that's the thing, that fundamental sound is still what drives the show. <laughs> So wow. I have a pretty, pretty refined template now. And I, and when I go to do music, it's something where I don't have to worry about, you know, finding the sounds or anything like that. It's like, just open it up and just start writing and all the, all the drums and the guitars and the keyboards and everything are all tuned in so that no matter what's being written, it sounds like the Goldbergs. It's, <laughs> right. It's just become that over five seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's van- that's the advantage of being in season five. It's, uh, hopefully by that stage, it gets a lot easier to do. So, you know. Yeah, it, it does. The, the interesting thing about the Goldbergs, unlike other shows, and I, I, I know this from talking to other composers, the job is really diverse. There's a lot of variety. It's almost as if I'm a music director as opposed to just a composer because writing and arranging songs for the cast to sing, recreating 80s tunes to tie into the episodes, (laughs) um, making beats for the big tasty character who's uh, one of the kids on the show, yeah, he has this rapper persona. And like I said before, doing all these little bits and pieces, these homage moments or I'm trying to do a flashback scene to something when Adam was younger. So we do something that's very 80 specific. So any particular episode, when, as soon as I see the script, I never know what's coming. <laughs> it, you know, we've done everything from full choirs for the show and recreating cl- just classic pop songs and having different members of the cast or groups of them sing or rap. <laughs> yeah, it's been really challenging on that level because I have to take everything I've got in my musical toolbox and use it. Yeah. So it's fun that way because I never I never know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool though. That's you want a job like that. You know, you need you it's good to get the variety. It stops you being bored. <laughs> For sure. And, yeah, I get to you know, I get to be a composer and a producer and an arranger and a songwriter, yeah. just trying all these hats. It's it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. I mean, the the other big thing which you did fairly recently, uh, Underworld Blood Wars, which mm-hmm. was the uh, the movie. Um, I mean, how was that to sort of step into? Because you're you're taking over the franchise, which has had two previous composers as well. So are you completely starting from scratch or are you kind of building on work that they've already done? I think the underworld, I, I was starting from scratch in terms of themes and motifs and anything that was, there wasn't any real through line thematically. That was all new. Um, but the thing I wanted to make sure that I didn't get too far away from is the underworld world, the universe has a certain vibe to it, this sort of dark, gothic, quasi-industrial sound to it. Yeah. So in approaching it, it was how can I do my spin on that kind of vibe? And that's the type of music that I love. I've, I've grown up 
I'm a genre kid. I grew up with horror films and fantasy and sci-fi and stuff that's right up the alley of Underworld. So falling into that world for me was was comfortable. And I didn't have to do a lot of exploration in terms of how what what's the palette going to be for this. It was more going beyond the tools and just looking at it from a, a very creative standpoint and trying to find like what was going to be the evolution of that sound. What's the next, the most modern iteration of that sound? This last one, it was um, it was a pretty massive hybrid score. So right, what I find quite interesting as well is the fact that you know you've got the TV show which is the Goldbergs, uh, which is like you say, it's kind of upbeat and fun and, and that sort of thing. And when you look at your music movie back catalogue and it's like Underworld, Last Exorcism, Haunting <laughs> in Connecticut, My Bloody Valentine for on three. Yeah, they're all kind of horror, kind of blood and guts kind of things, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, I don't know exactly the words to use or to tell you exactly how I'm able to do that, but I feel comfortable in both worlds. I think it, it just comes from growing up with all of that genre stuff and also love Loving my animated films and my Saturday morning cartoons and watching a lot of comedy, comedic television, things like that with my dad. And I was exposed to a lot of that just as well. And it's because it's a rock score, too. And having played in so many different bands and and, uh, been a guitarist first, it was easy to fall into that sort of aesthetic, uh, like on the Goldbergs. Yeah. But there were days, definitely, when I was working on the Goldbergs and Underworld simultaneously, where I had to have (laughs) them, you know, in the morning, I'm doing all this bright, happy, fun energetic music and then right after lunch i had to dive into this deep dark heavy not necessarily gloomy but just sharp aggressive heavy music and those kind of gear shifts are they're tough for sure but it it was it's all fun i mean (laughs) i love to be able to, to to be able to do this job it's a privilege yeah yeah no i mean it's it's great that you're getting such variety in things as well i mean not only variety in the type of things i mean you're you're moving from like tv to movies and also gaming i mean you did uh, yeah. Bl- bloodborne was probably the biggest thing are uh, you twisted metal as well but uh mm-hmm. bloodborne is probably the thing you're best known for i mean is it different approaching music for games compared to tv and movies yes i've, I've tried to find over time the best way to explain it games are they're much more a dynamic environment than film or television. Film and, and television are very linear in the sense that when you are watching a TV show or a film, it plays from beginning to end and it plays that one way that it was constructed to play. Yeah. Um, it'll always be the same every single time. And that's intentional from a storytelling standpoint and, and just by how films and television shows are made. But with a game, the environment can change every single time you play it. And it's especially in RPG type games where you're in an open world, it can be extremely fluid every time you, you go in the game or replay it. So the music has to adapt to that type of environment and, and key considerations are because most of the music in games is loops of varying lengths, anywhere from a few seconds to six, seven, eight minutes. 
yeah. of just, you know, a big loop. You have to look at making sure that that repetition doesn't get annoying to the gamer. And yeah. so things like melody, really recognizable melodies and certain pacing issues and, and how the music ramps up and diminishes in intensity become really, really, really important. Otherwise, you could, <laughs> you could seriously affect how the gameplay works. And yeah. it's hard because these games they have so much scale now and are so they're in story they're into storytelling on the same level that a film is yeah. at this point yeah. but it you can't like put in the, you just keep playing like these super recognizable themes over and over again because after you've heard it the 10th time or the 12th time or the 15th time it'll drive you completely bonkers <laughs> i'm a i'm a gamer i've experienced that i i know that yeah so it's a matter of trying to kind of spread the peanut butter a different way on the bread <laughs> so that you can uh, the music will sit in the environment and still sell the story and the the world and the idea and the vibe of the game but not become intrusive and it also has to you know work as a, a continuously looping piece it's, it's a very tricky way to write um it, it you just have to go at it in different and in, in a different way yeah it's a different way of coming up with a complete thought because knowing that when a gamer sits down they're gonna they might be stuck in this area or this level for hours and hours <laughs> and the music cannot it can't drive them nuts yeah absolutely no i'm a, i'm a gamer myself and that sort of thing just yeah it does drive you crazy yeah so for sure yes we have tv movies games you have got another mm -hmm. string to your bow as well which uh you have a remixer hat which is called yes. cursor i mean you've done various things on that the one one of the notable ones was uh you did a remix of every breath you take which was used on the americans i believe or a trailer yes. for the americans which i mean that that how, how did did they ask for that or did you had you done that as a as a thing or i mean did you get do you get permission from sting before you do those sort of things or is it chad if you do it and then it gets used or how does it come about um, the order of things usually goes uh, there's a, a woman i work with who's a music supervisor who helps me pick songs and we decide we're going to do either a cover with a new vocalist or a remix using the, the master stems. Right. And we'll go to the label and, and say, this is what we'd like to do with the song or to try to turn it, take a classic song and turn it into a, a more cinematic or trailer E or, or just bigger, broader type of approach. And so that it can be used for licensing for film and television. And the labels are usually pretty open to that because they're always looking for ways to keep their catalogs alive and keep generating revenue. And this, this is a good way too, for the artists to um, get their music back out and have audiences hear it, new audiences hear it, hear it in a different way and just keep their, their names, you know, on yeah. the, the lines of people are listening to music. And my whole thing is to just, I don't really have an idea going in of what I'm going to do. I just know that this song is something that I think would work on a level in terms of making it cinematic or good for use in that type of licensing environment. I'll yeah. sit down and create the song and then send it to the artist. If they don't like it, I just, I'm like, okay, <laughs> good enough. Fine. We'll move on. And if they do like it, then great. 
I will set up some sort of agreement with the label. So when they take it out to license it, you know, everybody gets their fair share. But so far, everything I've done has gotten a thumbs up from the people I've done it for. It's cool. just a really nice, it's a nice sidebar because I started doing it specifically because I could go into each one in a creative way where I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And that's, it's really scary and it's really liberating at the same time. It <laughs> lets me experiment with ideas that I probably wouldn't normally be able to experiment with in the typical scoring situations, just really trying outside the box stuff, taking the extra time needed to produce a song, a, a finished track and, and working with, in the case of Every Breath You Take, Sting ended up re-singing the song once a year heard my version of it wow yeah it it's just been this really cool thing that's blossomed on the side and i, I don't know how many i've done now i, I don't even know but maybe 10 like i i'm not sure but it's been for a whole a bunch of different artists and i've, I've started working on some more too but i always keep that going in the background it's very cool it's always great to hear remixes of particularly classic songs like every breath you take i mean i'm a huge fan of sting anyway but it's a great remix that one i really like it and i can see i can see why it got picked for the americans as well it, you know to sort of Thanks. be part of that show i can really see that so yeah awesome really good couple of final questions for you that we always mm-hmm. ask people uh for, well first of all what's next for you is it is it just is it sort of more goldbergs have you got any other projects you can talk about not really they're <laughs> okay. sort of under wraps right now but yeah i'm pretty embroiled in this season of the goldbergs it's been <laughs> yeah really busy uh, we've done we've done we've done a lot more song stuff this year so i've really split my time between writing and, and doing just acting as like a record producer and they have yeah. a sound coming out of songs that have been done for the show that'll be out in a couple months cool and the last two questions first of all what tv shows are you watching at the moment oh boy it's funny because i don't really watch a lot of tv no um, you you wouldn't be the first person to say that <laughs> when you work on television kind yeah. of like the last thing you want to do is sit down and watch it mm. um i'm hell bent on sitting down and watching the second season of stranger things but i haven't had time yet yes <laughs> lately there are a couple shows that i watch regularly that i've been watching for years like blue bloods yeah. and and suits i watch oh i love that show <laughs> i've always been a fan of those shows yeah uh, but it's not really a lot of stuff and things i catch a lot on like science channel i watch a lot of things like Mythbusters and right. I've seen awesome. pieces of, of uh, Planet Earth. I like shows like that. Yeah. No, yeah. Cool. cool shows. And uh, lastly, if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, what would it be? Wow. I'd love to do something that was like a thinking man sci-fi thing that had was a real sort of a small ensemble orchestral mixed with some electronics, something that's a little more ambient with strong melodic qualities laid into ambient textures. I just, that's, that kind of music is, seems kind of interesting to me right now. Yeah. Again, I, I'm always a fan of whatever's in front of me because it presents its own challenge. Yeah. I've heard, you know, just various cues here and there of that style of music. And it just sounds like composing wise, it would be really interesting. So, yes, yeah, cerebrally kind of sci-fi. They have make a good Blade Runner TV series. then. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It seems like sci-fi is having a little a little bit of a heyday right now like it's coming back a little bit so i'm hoping more stuff like that will come down the pipe yeah there's some really interesting sci-fi projects out there at the moment i mean you've had things like the expanse 
It's been fantastic. You've got Altered Carbon, which is a new Netflix series coming. Yep, love uh, that book. That I'm massively looking forward to. I interviewed the uh, author for Altered Carbon, actually. Um, oh, wow. You have to go onto the website and go back through it. It was quite a while ago, but uh, yes, just Google Altered Carbon on the website and it will turn up. Oh, well, well, that's, uh, that's, I love that book. I know Annihilation is coming out soon. I love that book. Yeah. I can't wait to see that movie and how it might be adapted. And uh, reading, a, I just started a book right now called Autonomous. Oh, cool. I, I don't know anything about it yet, but it was re- recommended to me as, because I'm really into, you know, William Gibson and Neil Stevenson. And that book was recommended if, if you're into those authors, you'll really like this book. So Cool. Awesome. Right. I shall let you go back and, and get to your incredibly busy composing on the Goldbergs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, thank you for spending just a little bit of time to talk through your uh, stuff. It's been really cool. Oh, sure. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here anytime. <laughs> awesome. Come back on a bit there, yeah, when you uh, when you can talk a bit more about some new stuff as well. So Okay. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Michael. Hope you really enjoyed that. The Goldbergs, by the way, is due back on the 3rd of January on E4 at uh, 8pm. So uh, if you're a fan of the Goldbergs, that's the fifth season coming back. So you can hear all Michael's work on that. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week on TV. We have coming up first, The Orville, which is coming to Fox UK for its first season. It's already been renewed for a second. That's on the 14th of December. I'm guessing this is one you're going to be watching. I'm going to give it a go. I didn't really like Ted, but some bits of Family Guy I do like. It looks pretty interesting as as a satire slash not quite of sort of old Star Trek and things. So it's definitely one I'm going to give a go. I've I've been told don't judge it on the first episode. So you're going to need to give it a couple of episodes, give it two or three episodes to bed in. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that because I'm quite like Family Guy. I think it's it's quite good fun. Ted was fine. It was okay. A million Ways to Die in the West, I really like though, I, I, which got universally panned, but I thought it was quite funny. So I um, thought the trailer was funny for that. And then the film just got between the bits that were funny in the trailer <laughs> yeah no I I had potential mean. though like some of the ideas are good i just like some of the comedy goes for that kind of cringe gross out sort of angle which yeah yeah doesn't no. doesn't work for me <laughs> yeah so but we'll see how this one goes <laughs> but i mean the orville's been getting brilliant reviews from i mean it got terrible reviews from critics got brilliant reviews from everybody who wasn't a critic so uh so <laughs> yes i'm very much looking forward to seeing that the tunnel also coming on the 14th that's at 9 p.m that's on sky atlantic so that's one to look out for that's the third and final season of that then we've got the librarians which is back for its fourth season that's on the 14th as well that's at 8pm this is a show that I keep on meaning to go and watch and then don't <laughs> so uh, it's, it looked quite I've seen a... some of it it's um, utterly terrible in a way that isn't necessarily a criticism <laughs> right, yeah that was sort of my feeling of it so I yeah I don't know I will go and try and watch them at some point yeah, uh, but I think they're quite that. aware it's very they're aware what they're making is highly preposterous yes yes 
So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Next up, we've got Jean Claude Van Johnson, which is Jean Claude Van Damme starring as Jean Claude Van Johnson, who is a global martial arts and film sensation and also the most dangerous undercover private contractor in the world. That's coming on Amazon Prime on the 15th of December. I still haven't watched the pilot, so I have no idea whether it's any good or not, but there you go. You've got Troll Hunters, which is back for a season two. That's on Netflix on the 15th of December. This is the animated series from DreamWorks, which which um, I've seen a couple of episodes of this. It's fun. It's, I mean, it's a kid's show, but it, it's a fun kid's show. Then Feud, Betty and Joan, that's season one of that, or Feud, season one of Feud, sorry. Uh, that's coming on BBC Two on the 16th of December at 9pm, which is the Ryan Murphy anthology series f- focusing on famous rivalries. So this one's between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, which has been getting road reviews. That's coming to BBC Two, 16th of December, 9pm. And then lastly, we have the League of Gentlemen specials, which uh, there's three of them. They start on the 18th of December. They're going to be the 18th, 19th and 20th of December that they're coming. So I don't think we haven't actually got a time for it, but I imagine it's going to be sort of 8, 9pm, 9, 10pm probably. Uh, That's coming to BBC Two from the 18th for those three, which uh, they've started putting trailers up and stuff. So looked quite good fun, particularly if you liked the original show, I think. So um, that's everything, unless you've got anything else to add. No, I think we've covered quite a lot there. Yes, I think so. I think that'll keep us going for quite a while. Yes, just to say a couple of last things. Uh, Obviously, the uh, Geek Town Awards are still open, so you can go and enter. That's uh, if you go to geektown.co.uk forward slash awards. Still open. We are getting lots of entries at the moment, but you've got a chance to win either a prize worth 750 quid or a prize worth 125 quid if you win the runner-up prize. Well worth going to give that a shot if you haven't entered already that's geektown.co.uk forward slash awards if you want to go and find Bex you can find her on under Trista Bytes spelt like computer bytes with a Y because I think making a pun is more important than making it easy to spell (laughs) Uh, I'm on YouTube Facebook Twitter and Instagram and you can obviously find me on the geektown.co.uk website as well for our sort of stuff if you want to go to the website we're still updating things throughout the week so um, you can go and find the latest air date info I mean things are slowing down because we got to sort of Christmas but uh, there are still stuff going up and there are still things being released so uh, go and check the website at geektown.co.uk if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown I'm on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye take care guys Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 